Let us pray. God, you are love. In this series, we're talking about that it's all about love. And today, as we take a look at who you are, your very nature of love, help us to understand what it means to be patient, what it means to be kind. We pray this in your name. Amen. So God is love. And we have the one word in our English language, love, that can mean so many different things. The Greek language in which the Bible was written, the New Testament, it's a lot more precise. There are a lot of different words for love. There was phileo, a friendship kind of love. There was stargo, a family kind of love. There's eris, a sensual kind of love. But when Jesus came on the scene, the word is agape for love. A love that gives and gives and gives without expecting a return. And so as we talk about love, we're talking about the very nature of God. So when we say God is love, and today we're talking about that God is, love is patient and kind, that means God is patient. God is kind. And I want to start with the word patience. It says in um, 2 Peter 3.9 that God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If we think about our own lives, we think about all the things we've done and messed up and all the sin we've done, does God ever give up on us? He never does. He's patient with us. We have a God who is patient. As I talk about what it means for us to be patient, the first thing I want to share with you is that it's essential to cooperate with God. We need to cooperate with him. He's a source of love. He's a source of patience. And as we cooperate with him, there's different things that can happen. God's part so often is to provide circumstances. Our part is to provide response. Circumstances and response. Now, has anybody here ever prayed for patience? What happened? More trials, right? You prayed for patience and you got more trials. I remember when I was at the seminary, and I think I've shared this story before, but just so vivid. I remember I was praying for patience. And my girlfriend at the time, she dumped me, she broke up with me. Um, my car broke down. It was soccer season, and in a preseason scrimmage, I sprained my ankle. I was out for the whole season. My financial aid at the seminary got cut way back. And all these things are happening to him, saying, God, why is this happening to me? And all of a sudden I thought, okay, I prayed for what? Patience. What is the King James word, two words for patience? Anybody know? What? Long-suffering, okay? It's not just suffering. <laughs> We're talking long-suffering, so often when it comes to patience, how we learn it is through trials. I'm not saying that God always causes those trials. We cause a lot ourselves, and life causes them. But through the circumstances, the question is, how do we respond? Is it in anger, or is it in patience? In Romans 5, 3 and 4, it says, we can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more 
each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. So trials can be good. Paul says, I can rejoice in my suffering because suffering produces perseverance, which means patience and then character and ultimately hope. Three things that will help us in responding with patience. Three things. And one thing I want to talk about is having a bigger perspective of life, having a bigger perspective. And what does that mean? When you're going through difficult times and trials, Sometimes we get so lost and we think our world is falling apart. But we need to stop and think, okay, what is this situation in comparison to all eternity? Does this situation have any eternal significance whatsoever? I'm not sure if anybody here ever has um, worked with a loom and, and worked on kind of knitting and stuff on a loom. And, and so the person's working on is working from the top, okay? And they're, they're working a, a masterpiece, but what does it look like underneath that loom? It's a mess. There's strings hanging and it just looks like a real mess. And, and I believe that for us, we're looking at the bottom of the loom. God is weaving a masterpiece. Okay? We can't always see it. We see the, the threads hanging down and sometimes well, those threads might be a problem. But on the other side, God has a big picture. And sometimes when we're lost in the trials, we lose idea that that's actually the case, that God has things under control. The big picture is still fine. And so it's important that as we go through trials, and important to have patience, so we need to realize that there's a bigger picture here, and these issues, these challenges are small in comparison to eternity. It says in Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. The next thing I want to talk about so you see a bigger picture, but also deepen your love, okay? Deepen your love. Now, that sounds kind of basic, but the reality is this. Inside of us is love, or inside of us might be anger, frustration, irritation. If you take an orange and you squeeze the orange, what comes out? The juice, okay? What's on the inside? Under pressure, what's inside of us comes out, and so right now, if you were under extreme pressure, what would come out of you? Anger, irritation, frustration? That's not what God wants. What God wants to be oozing out of us is what? Love. And the more that his love fills us, the more anger and frustration and patience, impatience and all those challenging things that are not fun to experience, they're pushed out. Deepen our love. Grow in the source of love that God, he is that source. Let that source fill us more and more. And it says, actually there's a statement here. When you're filled with love, almost nothing will irritate you. But when you're filled with anger, almost anything will irritate you. So the key is to really focus and ask God continuously, fill me with your love. Let your love be inside of me. Let his presence, his spirit reign inside of you. So bigger perspective, deepen your love. The next thing is depend on Jesus' power. Depend on his power and his strength. And it says in Colossians, we also pray that she will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so that she will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. How powerful is God? How powerful is Jesus? 
Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if he strengthens us, he's got the power to fill us with patience, to fill us with love. So that's patience. I want to talk now about kindness, the second part of what we're talking about today. Kindness is about action, okay? It's not just thought process. It's not just thinking your kindness. It's putting God's word into action. And I want to share with you a parable. I know I've heard this many times before, but there's something in here. I want, there's four things I want you to see from the parable of the Good Samaritan. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Okay, so that man is laying there on the side of the road, beaten up, pretty much left for dead, says a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so here this priest, this um, church worker guy, and he sees the, the man who is laying there, and he just goes right on by. He saw him, didn't respond. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. The people that had grown up understanding or learning the word of God, they weren't applying it. They passed by. But a Samaritan, a group of people that were despised by the Jewish people at that time. The Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. He was traveling, maybe a businessman. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Okay, so he stops. Does he know this guy? No, he's a stranger. Most likely, he might have been Jewish. And he puts him on his donkey, and he takes him um, to, at first he takes care of him right there. He takes what he has, takes care of him. Then he puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn. He takes care of him there. Verse 35, the next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He stayed overnight there, took care of the guy, and the next day he leaves plenty of money with the innkeeper to make sure this guy is taken care of. He's going to come back later to make sure everything's fine. There's more expense. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to take care of it. The question Jesus asks is, who really is the neighbor? It's that Samaritan. And there's four things about kindness I want to talk about from that text. And first of all is this. You start seeing the needs of the people around you. First, you see that there's a problem. You see it. In fact, the Levite and the priest saw it, but they didn't respond. The Samaritans, he saw the problem. We're going to see he's going to take it further. So kindness begins with the eyes. You have to be able to see what's going on around you. It says in um, Luke 10, 33, when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Okay, he saw his condition. So the next thing I want to talk about, you know, why don't we so often see people's needs? It's one word. The word is busyness. We're so busy. We're so busy running from one thing to another that so often we don't stop and look 
We're so wrapped up in our thought process, so wrapped up in what we're doing, we're not seeing what's happening around us. And so a kinder person, to be a kinder person, we need to do what? Slow down. Slow down. In 1 Corinthians 10.24, look out for the good of others also. Seeing. So the first part is seeing the need. The second part is sympathizing with people's pain. Sympathizing with their pain. It says, he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. He sympathized. He had pity for this individual. Didn't know him from Adam, but he felt for him. i to ask you a question. We see news on TV, maybe on your um, internet, whatever, and you see all these terrible tragedies going on. Do you feel anything? To realize on the other side of that story, there's actual human beings that are suffering. Even this recent lady's shooting at that school in Florida. You know, I, I pray that as we see those things, that our hearts aren't hardened. We're, all those bad things happening all around us, but I pray that our hearts still feel pity for those who are struggling. We sympathize. That Samaritan, he had sympathy. And he stopped. In the midst of his busyness, he stopped to help. A big part of this, too, is that this sympathy has to begin with hearing. We need to listen to people. You know, so often you ask people, how are you doing? What do they say? Fine. Do you think they're really feeling fine? Let's say that, um, you know, maybe you should take another little bit further. Okay, what do you, what do you mean by that? Are you, are you Okay. When I was at seminary, and Pastor Allen at the time, too, there was a, a, a student there who was blind. His name was Dave Andrus. And he was, even though he was blind, he could see right through us. And one day I was walking by, and, and um, he said, John, how are you doing? I mean, just, he, at first I to talked to him, he recorded my voice, and, and he goes, how are you doing? I said, fine. And he stopped and said, no, you're not. What's going on? And I was having a bad day. He read right through me. Listen, ask questions. So often the best way to, to dig deeper is asking questions. How are you really doing? What's going on in your life? In Galatians 6, 2, it says, Share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. So see the situation, see what's going on, sympathize. The third thing is seize the moment. Seize the moment. It says in Luke 10, 34, kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. See, there's three things there. Number one, he, he stooped down, he got on the man's level, he used what he had. He had wine, he had oil, he dressed him with bandages. And most likely, he probably tore them maybe from some clothing or some cloth that he had. He took what he had, he got involved, he seized the moment. He didn't say, you know what, I can't do this. Take what you have at the time. Get involved. Seize the opportunity to try to help somebody who is in need. A couple of verses in Proverbs 3.27. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. In Proverbs 3.28. Never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. To be a kinder person like the Good Samaritan, what needs to happen? We need to be willing to be interrupted. We need for our schedules that are so often just set in stone to be able to be more flexible and be willing to take risks. Be willing to take risks. 
to reach out and do things maybe you're not comfortable doing. And it says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You see, a lot of times what's going to hold us from seizing the moment, hold us back is we're afraid. I don't want to get involved. What's going to happen to me? You see, if fear is inside of us, guess what's not inside of us? Love. You see, fear pushes the love out, but when the love comes in, it pushes what out? The fear. There's a willingness to act, a willingness to get involved. Guess what is responding inside of you? Love. God is working through you, and he wants to do something through you. There's one point left. Four, spend whatever it takes. Spend whatever it takes. This man, he took him to the inn. He, he took care of things that night. He left two silver coins. There's a lot of money in that day and age. And he didn't expect anything in return. There's always a cost to kindness. It said, then he put the man in his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. That is amazing kindness. A kindness that gives and gives and gives without expecting in return. Isaiah 58. Share your food with the hungry and bring poor, bring poor homeless people into your homes. Then your light will shine like the dawn. The Lord will always lead you. He will satisfy your needs in dry lands. You'll be like a garden that has much water, like a spring that never runs dry. You know, sometimes it's hard to seize a moment. It's hard to make the sacrifice and to spend what it takes. But when you do it, what happens? It's wonderful. It's amazing to truly help people. And finally, in Psalm 103, 8, the Lord is merciful. He is kind and patient. And his love never fails. Jesus is love, and he's kindness. And think about what he did. He came to the sinful world. He saw the problem. He saw our lostness and sin. He sympathized with our problem. He seized the moment. He came into the sinful world to walk among us. And he spent everything. He gave his life for our sins. That's the ultimate act of kindness. And my friends, as we go forth today, God calls us on that path to be patient, to be kind, because love is patient and love is kind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, when we think about patience and kindness, um, I can honestly say that I need more. We can all probably say we need more of that, both all of us here, every single one of us. You are perfect kindness. You are perfect patience. You are the source of patience and kindness. And we pray that you give us more of those characteristics in our lives. The time doesn't belong to us. It belongs to you. They're all the people in this world. You love them immensely. And you call upon us to treat those around us with kindness that our neighbor is everybody, even complete strangers. So, Lord, as we go forth today, help us to put these words into action to be more patient, to be more kind. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time the offer will be received. Please send the registers in your rows at this time as well.